The Utah Jazz simply don't have enough bodies, and that was a really bad loss. We're talking about it coming up on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz for the 1st of March. The Utah Jazz fall to the San Antonio Spurs, breaking a bunch of over streaks of considerable length for the Spurs who had not won a game in 42 days. And it was a ugly performance, but it might be somewhat realistic to where this team is offensively, and that's a tough one to swallow. We'll talk about what they happened to them and what they did. Plus, Andy Larson in the Salt Lake Tribune writes a pretty scathing piece that the tank is on. Is that true? I'd say no, but it is consistent performance to what the Jazz have been saying. And finally, a quick look around the West as a last night revealing in some ways to what we have ahead. That's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Give me insight expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. Join the Locked on Jazz community. It was a great post yesterday by someone. Uh, now I'm forgetting whom. I think it was Andy Williams about just the, the Locked on Jazz community and what's been built and really be a part of it. Uh, follow, subscribe, give us a thumbs up. Five stars is great. Set the bell on YouTube so you know when we put something up. Be a part of this group. It is a special jazz community. Uh, and like you very much to have it. It's locked on jazz. Your team every day. All right. That was brutal. Like There's no other way to say it. Spurs had lost uh, not won a game for 42 days. They were 0-44 when they trailed by 10. The only team in the league that hadn't won at least three games all year when they trailed by 10. They were 0-41 when trailing going to the fourth quarter. Uh... So that was brutal Um, in the sense of playoff positioning and trying to get in the play-in or the playoff, which I'll get into in a little bit, I think is a goal that we all have as fans that the organization, I think, has stayed pretty consistent. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, there's larger things that they're trying to attain. And that is not necessarily draft picks, but I'll I'll explain that. Uh, But that's a bad one. Um, as we've said this whole time, I think you've got to get to 41. Might be changing if the Lakers fall off. Might be changing if the Blazers continue to, uh, the Pelicans continue to fade. Might be changing if we're watching the Thunder pull the ripcord right now. Um, and then you really only suddenly have, you know, then you actually have three teams fighting for three spots if we're fighting. And then it's not going to be 41. It's going to be a lot less. But we thought it was going to be 41, which means you had to piece together 10 wins, and that was one of them. Um, And there just aren't a lot of other ones. But the truth of the matter is what we talked about yesterday. We just don't have enough players right now. And when Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton are out, you're playing over 100 plus minutes last night of guys that weren't in the rotation when the trades were made. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't be rotation players someday or that they can't develop or get better or anything of that nature. But... It still is a telling statement of before the trades were made, before everyone's rosters were right across the NBA. Taylor Horton Tucker, Simone Fontecchio, Doka Azubuke, Johnny Juzang, and Juan Toscana Anderson were not playing. 
So 106 minutes we played last night, plus Rudy Gay got stretched out to 17 because of it. Now, we also lost Ochai Abaji 19 minutes into the game with a when he hit the cameraman. Um, and so you're just worth thin. And the offense was brutal. Um, the numbers last night offensively, that's the single worst offensive game the Jazz have played all season long against a defense that's ranked, I think, 30th in the NBA. Uh, I actually, like, that's not, I don't actually mean that. I mean, that's the truth. Those, those are the numbers. I don't mean that in some like, wow, they were brutal, critical manner. Like, I actually just think this is telling in exactly what we're talking about. Like, there's, you know, there's always a reason why somebody gets $40 million, And there's probably a reason why guys are in and out of the rotation. And usually the reason why somebody's out of a rotation in the NBA is they can't, they're not a good offense, good enough offensive player. Like, Chris Dunn is certainly a good enough defensive player to stay in the NBA. So is Taylor Horton Tucker. So is Juan Toscana Anderson. Like our defensive numbers we talked about yesterday are really good because we're suddenly playing defensive-minded players. But defensive-minded players are also defensive-minded players because they're probably not quite there offensively and they want to stay in the league. You know, we go back many years ago when the Jazz added Boyan and a bunch of guys and I got asked, I was at coffee with Quinn and he said, well, do you think our challenge this year? And I said, playing hard. And he was like, well, looked at me like I was crazy and... He's like, what do you mean by playing hard? And I was like, we got to play hard. Like, we're not, you're, those guys don't have to play hard. They're so good. Joe Ingles, Boyan Bogdan, they don't have to play hard. Ricky Rubio's got to play hard or he doesn't play in the league. And so, you know, if you look at our last four games, we're, our offensive performance, we're 57th, 55th, and 63rd. So last night was our worst. But we've also put out now three of our worst eight defensive games of the year in our last four games. Memphis, Oklahoma City, Memphis Lowry didn't play. Oklahoma City and San Antonio uh, without Colin in all these. And then even the Spurs' first game was 34. The good news is our defense has been great. 16th best defensive performance of the year against Toronto. 32nd best against Indiana. 26th against Memphis. 11th best against Oklahoma City. 3rd best against San Antonio. And 4th best against against San Antonio. So those were the third and fourth best defensive performances the Jazz have played all season long. For back-to-back nights, the Jazz have actually held their opponent in the old school numbers below a point of possession. That's that's pretty incredible. The Jazz best defense of the night, if you're wondering, just since I just referenced the third and fourth, if you're wondering, was in New Orleans on December 13th. We sh- really shut down the Pelicans kind of at a crazy level. And then the Rockets on October 26th, early in the season. But so our defense... So our offense has been brutal, right? Three of our first eight performances have been in our last four games. Well, three of our last 11 good defensive performances have been in our last three games because we're playing guys. We've taken out good offensive players, put in who are bad, probably bad or poor defensive players. And we're and then turned around and put in good off defensive players that aren't very good offensive players. Like, I actually kind of think it's great. Like, in the sense that sometimes we make this game so complicated and we worry about coaching and this and that. and da, da, da. Like, no, like, Player talent. And that's where we are right now. Um, and it's going to, and I, as I said yesterday on the show, like if we're playing 100 minutes a night, which is a lot right now because when, once Colin Jordan comes back, then it's not as much. I, I said yesterday on the show, like if we're playing 100 minutes a night of guys who were not in the rotation earlier in the year, like I don't think we can go win on this road trip. Like, like I have a great respect for like who NBA players are and what they are and the level to which they have to play and, 
you know, if you're in the top 300, you're really special. Top 300 is being 300 rotation players. You just can't plug anyone into that. Um, the other one I think, you know, hey, our point guard play was not particularly good last night because Taylor Horton Tucker is trying to learn how to play point guard. And San Antonio was doing a lot of interesting things defensively that we're now going to see. Like until we have, we didn't have any bailout guy last night. Like when things are off, you throw it to Colin, you throw it to Jordan and let him make a play. We don't really have that last night anywhere on the roster. So when you don't have those two guys, it's, it, it bogs down. And, and it certainly did last night. Um, and it bogged down, you know, differently by quarter. Fourth quarter probably being the worst of it. Our offensive rating in the fourth quarter last night was an 80.8. Um, and in the final seven, 53 was exactly, was an 82. Like, it was bad. Uh, no, in our final seven, 53, it was a 70. Well, like, that's tough. And that's with Lowry. That's with Kelly on the floor. With Taylor trying to run it. Um, so that was tough. And I, and I think this is going to be a little bit of the reality here going forward because what we saw there was the Spurs scout. Right? So the Spurs were able to scout the Jazz. And one of the things they did is they just didn't guard Walker at all when Walker was spaced out. And then they really didn't guard any of our other guys. They went under every pick other than Lowry, who they just held and grabbed and Sohan did a nice job on. And they went under every pick and they clogged every driving lane and there just was nowhere to go. And I think, you know, the way this league works is scouts watch the last five games. They've now got this Spurs game there. Like, okay, well, we've probably got better talent. We're probably longer. We're going to go do that. And in turn, the Jazz started playing one-on-one basketball and not passing the ball at all. And because it's hard. Because when you're that clogged up, it's really hard to do that. But we had one assist on five of 20 shooting in that quarter. Two of seven from field. So not, and you know, Kelly Olenek goes to the free throw line four times, kind of playing one-on-one Kelly Olenek ball. It's just not a great scenario. So that was brutal. That was tough. Um, but it also just might be a reality. Were, the question is, have they started the tank? My answer is no. They are consistent to what they've said all year. And I'll explain that as we continue. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Intercap Lending. Steve Carter's our guy over at Intercap. Intercap's been a longtime sponsor of the Locked on Jazz. And it is my great pleasure that Steve Carter has been a longtime loan officer for the Utah Jazz because there has been nobody that has had more consistent influence on our listeners and given them better customer service than Steve Carter. If you're looking for a loan right now in this kind of funky market, there's a bunch of things going on at the at uh, Intercap Lending that are great. FreeFi is one of them in which you can refi anytime in the next two years and they will not charge you any of the refinance fees. The other is Steve Carter will take you through all your options. He'll give you an absolutely fabulous experience, I promise. Email me at dlock09 at gmail.com and I'll set you up with Steve for the, and get the meeting going. If not, you don't want me to be involved, feel free to just reach out directly to Steve, but make sure you tell him you're locked on jazz so you get the corporate discount. 385-800-8528. That's 385-800-8528. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit Intercap Lending. Today's show also brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel, make every moment more. NBA season's getting interesting, and we have the no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Bonus bet back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. 
FanDuel's got all the fun little props, odds, things to make it more interesting for you as a game goes on. You can do exclusive bets like two three-pointers score in the first three minutes or super fun things with your friends and get it all going. Uh, plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger chance to pay out with the same game parlay. So don't miss this chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. FanDuel.com slash lockdown. That's FanDuel.com slash lockdown. To learn more, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA and the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen today. For your second listen, go grab the 22-minute rundown of all things sports. Locked On Sports today, updating you everywhere you need to be. Standing sit with the Wolves with their win last night at 32-32. and They won in LA. That's a big win for them. The Jazz are at 31 and 32. The Pelicans, who've lost four in a row and a massive amount recently, are 30 and 32. The big change up top was the Mavericks lost again last night. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. The Warriors have won their third straight. Durant comes back tonight. So we'll talk about all this. All right. Andy Larson wrote a, I thought, scathing piece in the Salt Lake Tribune today that the Jazz have started the tank. Uh, first of all, I just. I mean, by record, we're 31 and 32. The Jazz haven't tanked this year. And um, we can all have a discussion of whether they should have or they shouldn't have. Like, that's actually, I think, a legitimate conversation of what actually is your best long-term management of your rosters, whether you should try to win or try to lose. It's, it's a ter- terrible thing, and the NBA has tried to shorten it, and then there's a cultural thing. It's really a fascinating discussion. But the Jazz have yet... If the Jazz wanted to tank, first thing is they would have they could have traded Jordan Clarkson for a second round pick or multiple. They should have, could have traded Kelly Olynyk for multiple second round picks. They they really could have done it. Like if the if the goal was for the final twenty whatever games after the trade deadline twenty five to go two and twenty three, they could have done it. Instead, they traded Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, and Mike Conley, three players that didn't probably weren't part of the long term solution for a. First round draft pick from the Lakers, lightly protected. Like it seems like a really good trade. They have not made a single move in the season in which they have done it for the sake of trying to dictate an outcome. So the idea to me that they suddenly started that on February 28th with limited to no benefit, frankly, at this point, like I'm not sure what, like, I guess if we lost every game the rest of the way, we probably could get to fifth. That would be a pretty big benefit. Um, Maybe. That would be catching Orlando five games later, but maybe. So that would be a big benefit. Like, if we go 0-18 the rest of the way, probably have a fairly significant draft position benefit. Are we doing it? I don't think so. And here's why. Colin Sexton's hurt. He has a hamstring injury. This is kind of exactly if you listen to me when Colin Sexton's hamstring went down, I actually wondered if it was the season. Like, he just had a second straight hamstring injury, one on each side. we got to figure out what's going on. He's coming off a knee injury. That Will Hardy has said numerous times in press conferences the most important thing is the 12 months following that knee surgery get him out of here healthy. I'm not so, Like, I, I didn't expect to see Colin back from the day he got hurt. Jordan... I will tell you, I, I asked around yesterday, and the answer said it's signif- it's a significant injury. Like, probably doesn't need surgery, but to be considered, was what someone said to me. So, you know, you can decide, this is one of those classics, like, you just just decide what you want to believe. Like, 
you know, I'm an, I do work for the team, but I'm not on any team mission here. I'm not, I'm not getting any edict. So Collins hamstring, like that makes sense to me. I haven't talked to Eric Phillips or anyone, but I did ask about Jordan last night. I was like, what's up with this? Like, is this a, is this a, just kind of a, no, like that's a real issue. It was taped the night before. If you actually looked at it uh, during the game and um, it was, it's significant, probably doesn't need surgery, but it's messed up. Okay. Two other comments that have been made this season, one by Will Hardy, one by Justin Zanuck, I think. Um, might've been Danny Ainge, but it was an Ainge Zanuck press conference. I went through my notes and found it. Both of which, when were said, I highlighted as like, oh, that's an important comment. The first one that was said by the front office crew, either Justin or Danny, I apologize, my notes didn't show it well. We're, at the end of the year, we're going to know about our players. So at the, a little bit of, hey, at the end of last, like we never really knew about Jared Butler. Like, I think it's probably, we're probably right. But Jared Butler really never got enough time under Quinn, partially because where the team was. So this, to not 100% where the team was, to know whether he actually could really play in the NBA. And then it became decision time. You let him go and you weren't sure. We're going to make sure we know. So Adok Azubuke is not under contract for next year, but the Jazz could re-sign him for his exact same number and bring him back if they want to. Like, it's, he's not going to have a market. So if the Jazz think there's something where he can actually play and they want to see something, this is the time to do it. Simone Fontecchio has another year on his deal, but you got to know whether he can play or not. Johnny Juzang has been on a two-way roster the whole year. Here's an opportunity when suddenly everyone's hurt. Let's go find out. Let's get a little bit of sample size and knowledge. Probably that one's the least important of the three. So... Why did Adoka Azabuke play over Damian Jones? I, I, I'm 100% convinced that Damian Jones would give us a better chance to win. I, I 100% convinced. Like, I could be wrong, but I'm 100% convinced. But Adoka Azabuke has played 57 games going in, or 56 games going into this. And Will Hardy in a press conference the other day said, we're not going to have anyone left out on this roster. So there's the second comment. I was like, oh, that's an interesting comment. We're not going to have anyone left out. Our coaching staff is going to go through every game and look at how and who we can play and see who we can get involved. We're not going to have guys left out. So if you look at what the Jazz did in the two games against the Spurs, Adoka Azabuke did his tried to match the minutes of Charles Bassey. Charles Bassey is a big who's not stretching the floor, who's not leaving the middle, who just plays a power game down low, and Adoka Azabuke tried to play the best he could against Charles Bassey. Now, in the second quarter of the first game, he got matched up a little bit with Zach Collins on the floor as well. And I and then Keita Bates Jop came back in the game and maybe relieved that a little bit. But that Zach Collins matchup is not a good one for Adoka Azubuke. But Charles Bassey is one where you're like, okay, if Adoka Azubuke is going to be able to find a role in the NBA and, and be able to be, play, that's the type of guy he's going to play against. Let's see how he does. And frankly, on the first night when Azubuke's matched up against Charles Bassey, the Jazz were plus eight when those two were on the floor matched up, I think it was. It was when he suddenly has to go roam around and move, it's not a great matchup. And that's, okay, That's we knew that, but it's reconfirming knowledge. I, I don't have last night, but it felt like the Jazz tried to do the same thing last night where you matched, you've decided 
in the coaches meeting three days, four days ago, hey, this is a matchup where Doka Azubuke can play. Not all the bigs are stretched out and on the floor. Now, if the bigs are going to go out on the floor, Damian Jones is going to play. Okay. So, Monet Fontecchio. Like, we got to find out. Right now, what he's... Here's a guy who's a career-long good shooter in every stage of his career who right now cannot make a shot. It's sad, actually. It's hard to watch. Like, the poor guy is scuffling brutally. But let's find out. And if you kind of look back to February 8th with the trade deadline, he's getting time. He suddenly played eight games. He's playing 17 minutes a night. He's shooting 25% from the floor and 13% from three. So... You can decide right now that he'll never play in the NBA. That's, that, you can decide. Okay, I've seen eight games at 18 minutes. He's done. We're done. Or let him try to work through it because the, the things that are most important to the franchise are longer-term issues than whether we make the play-in or the playoffs. Is that tanking? I don't think so. It's, I think, super consistent to everything the Jazz have said all year long. There were just not decisions that were being made this year, frankly, to dictate outcome either direction. Losses or wins. The front office had said, we are going to know. So this is an opportunity to know on Simone Fontecchio. This is an opportunity to try to know on Adoka Azubuki. The last two nights, the sample size for both of them is not good. Like, you're finding out. It's an opportunity at this point to find out if Taylor Horton Tucker can play point guard because if he's not a good shooter, that's how he's going to survive in the league. He has to play with the ball in his hands because that's his gravity. And Johnny Juzang over Juan Toscana Anderson, yeah, that's trying to find out. Juan Toscana Anderson has a better resume. He's probably a better player. Um, but Johnny Juzang's been on the roster all year long, been a two, give him a night, give him a chance. Let's see. Let's find out and see. He's done a nice job in the G League to stretch his game out. He was a exclusively mid-range teach player at UCLA after a single year at Kentucky. Um, did not shoot a lot of threes, shot some, shot 35% of those, but was really kind of known as a mid-range maven. And so he's trying in the G League to stretch his game out. Last night, he went one for four from three, one for five overall in his NBA debut. Like, a dude missed two free throws, and he's like a career, I think he's a career college 85% free throw shooter. He missed two free throws. He might have been nervous. Are we just going to decide, no, we're going to like give him another chance. Let's find out. So the two things that the front office, the three things that the front office and the organization has said all season long are everything's actually is for long-term decision-making. Two, we're going to know. And three, no one's going to get left behind. No one's getting left out in the final 20 games. They're consistent to this. I don't think that's a tank. Is it focused on winning at all costs to be in the best playoff position? Nope. And it hasn't been all year. That's not a shift. So I don't think the scathing piece that the tank is officially on is how I view it. Andy's totally welcome to view it his way, but that's not how I view it. Is that team employee versus non-team employee? Maybe. I don't actually have a problem with that. But I would just tell you that I think I just broke down with some real analysis and consistency of why I think that. Not just, I'm here to say, it's not the way I take And I, I opened the conversation, I would point out, with, I I still don't know whether we should have or not. This has been a wonderful season. There's been all sorts of great things discovered, and Lowry simply is just too good. Would we be better off to be 15 and 47 right now? It's an interesting question. 
Would be better off being Charlotte, being 20 and 43, which just suddenly one side to win five in a row? Don't know. Really? Honestly? Don't know. But there's got to... Houston's doing damage right now. Well, San Antonio, we'll see. We're simply too good to do it. That's probably the bigger problem. Thank you very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. And for your second listen, NBA Big Board. Fun show yesterday on NBA Big Board. Rafael Barlow, the host, played Utah Jazz GM. And Leaf Tuline played, uh, sold prospects to him. And Rafael Barlow, as the Jazz GM, bought or didn't buy on those prospects. So kind of a cool little show there for you. Uh, on NBA Big Board. That's one you're going to want to hear. All right. What happened last night? Because this is fun every night in the West. So let's take a quick look at it and see what's important. Uh, Lakers lost 121-109 to Memphis. No LeBron. They're still playing generally NBA minutes across the board now. Uh, Troy Brown Jr., I'm not sure, isn't isn't what I would call an NBA bona fide rotation player. Austin Reeves probably is. Um, Lonnie Walker had a really good game, so it feels like he is. But they're generally playing NBA players now with the addition of the 50, 60 minutes of Beasley and Vanderbilt. But they lost last night to Memphis. Lakers are super interesting to watch. They're 29 and 33. They are very a game back of the Pelicans for the play-in. Three games back of the Clippers for the playoffs. Their wiggle room is limited. They have 20 games left in the rest of the season. If you're going to try to make up three games, you have to go 16 and four while they go 12 and eight. Lakers are not going 16 and four without LeBron. The question is, are the Lakers going 10 and 10 without LeBron? And is somebody else falling off the map far enough that they suddenly don't make, that they make it into the play? Um, Sacramento beat Oklahoma City. Shea Gilgis-Alexander with an abdominal strain did not play again. Josh Giddy only played 20 minutes. Lou Dort only played 21 minutes. What? What is going on in Oklahoma City? Um... There was a YouTube factor to that. Um, I don't know, but worth watching. Dallas is now one and four when Kyrie and Luka play together. Their only win against the Spurs. They're too small. I did a late game watch on them the other day. They're just so small. They got Maxi Kleba back, which is important, but Reggie Bullock is basically their power forward who got end up guarding Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on all these possessions and just got manhandled. They really miss Dorian Finney-Smith's defense. I have not watched the Dallas-Indiana late game. I will um, tonight and have it for you tomorrow. Uh, that, But that is fascinating to me. They're, it's not a Kyrie-Luka problem, though I don't think Kyrie and Luka are helping each other out to get better yet. But it is... They are... They're just too small. Golden State was getting thumped by Portland. They were down by 22 in the second quarter. They came back and won by 17. And the vibes afterwards were golden. Steve Kerr talked about things being built inside the locker room. Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins coming back around the corner. The Warriors at 32 and 30. Give them credit. Playing without these guys. They may turn out to be the favorite in the West before we're done just in 100% disrespect to everything Denver's done. It was just way better than everyone else. At some point, we just have to christen them. Uh, Portland's going for it, but that's just a bad loss last night by Portland. Dame had 25. Like, do they need him to score 70 to win? It's kind of an interesting concept. 
Um, they're playing Cam Reddish. They're playing Maurice Thibel. Uh, their Yusuf Nurkic is out. Portland is kind of the team hovering here at 29-32. They're a game back from the Jazz. They've won only four of their last 10. And they're trying with everything they got to get into the plan. Final one of the night last night was Minnesota with a really good win over the Clippers. Clippers are now 16-13 and 13 when Kawhi and Paul George play. Kawhi played 39, Paul George played 35. Why someone signs Russell Westbrook and plays him 28 minutes and starts him, I have no idea. I, I, I'm, I love the Clippers front office. I think they've done amazing things. I love how they draft. I love what they've put together. I love their pickups. I, their, all these little moves they've made I think are so good. I have no idea why they've done this. It can't benefit them. It can't. Um, Mike Conley had seven assists, still six points. It's just offense is just... It's like Mike Conley's offensive game is might be over. Like It's interesting to watch him go to another team and just not be able to materialize the, any offensive game. He, he had these moments for us, but I mean, the guy is so awesome and he's 35 years old. Like At some point, it's like... He's shooting 36% in Minnesota from the field and from three and averaging 8.5 points a game in six games. He, it, I just don't think he actually gets shots off anymore, which is too bad. Unless someone's dishing to him and that team doesn't pass as much as the Jazz. It's all right. It's ha- I mean, it's a great career. Um, all right. That kind of wraps us on the watch and all the rest. Uh, I'll do some late game watching. We'll get re- preview the road trip tomorrow. Never know what I might stumble upon. I have a fun little passing thing I worked on the other day um, of where guys turn the ball over from when they throw passes. It's kind of interesting. It tells me a little bit about where defense is going in the NBA. Maybe we'll discuss that boring topic tomorrow on Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much. It's your team every day.